What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we start a new sermon series. November marks a change in the seasons as the days get colder and the nights get darker, and we might start to feel less hopeful. On this All Saints Day, we could even dwell on the deaths that have happened in the last year and feel discouraged. God has let something bad happen. God has not intervened. Well, the series is a bit of a counter to that mentality that can creep in. We are looking at the miracles of Jesus, from healings to demons and resurrections. The saints can teach us a lot about this, too. So we ask, what is it that God would have us understand about miracles? And can we expect them in our own lives, especially when things can seem less hopeful in this season? We begin with the healings of Jesus and a particular reading from the Gospel of Mark. Sal is going to read for us. This passage comes right on the heels of one of the biggest miracles Jesus performs, the feeding of the 4,000. We'll look at that particular miracle later in the series. But Jesus has been sorely disappointed by the response of the religious leaders to this miracle. Instead of believing, they ask for another sign. Another part of Scripture says essentially they want more food. They weren't satisfied with the first miracle. They want another free lunch. And Jesus leaves, crossing the water, warning the people not to be like those religious leaders. They have completely ignored this phenomenal work of God. He then warns the disciples not to do the same. This is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 14 through 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. The east of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of east of the Pharisees and the east of Herod. They said to one another, It is because we have no bread, and becoming aware of it. Jesus said to them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? And your hearts harden? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? They said to Jesus, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, Seven. Then Jesus said to them, Do you not yet understand? Now Jesus cures a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to cure, to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. 
And when Jesus had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, do not even go into the village. May our Lord God bless this reading and hearing of his holy words today. Amen. And from 2 Kings 5, 13 and 14, the story of Naaman, who had leprosy and came to a prophet of Israel looking for healing but was discouraged with the instructions he received. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Open us to the miracles you do in us today. We don't want the form of religion while denying its power. We want our lives to be changed. Help us to be expectant, to anticipate your good works, rather than to be overcome with skepticism. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a young teen, I experienced one of the most confusing things of my whole young life. I was at youth group with our church, and our youth pastor invited people to come up and receive prayer. The hope was that we would receive a miracle and experience the power of God at work in our lives. I remember a friend of mine who was on crutches at the time going forward and having one of the leaders in the group pray for him. By the end of the prayer, this friend had laid their crutches down and was walking around without them. After the meeting was over, we were playing in the gym, and he was playing basketball, running, jumping, and shooting like a miracle had just taken place. We were all amazed. God had healed him. It seemed like the impossible had just happened. And then the next week, we came back to church for youth group, and there was our friend once again back on crutches. What happened? Did God take back the miracle? Did he not really get healed? It didn't make any sense. It would take many years before I could resolve the conflict in this story. Today we might think of charlatans, people who trick us or deceive us into believing something about faith that doesn't help anyone except them to get rich. Years ago you may have heard about the Bible codes, which found these amazing prophecies in the Bible when they were analyzed in their original Hebrew language. Sounds pretty incredible, doesn't it? Until you realize that you can do exactly the same thing with any book. Moby Dick was found to have 13 predicted assassinations in it, including several presidents and prime ministers. War and Peace, another book with these scintillating prophecies found in it. 
The Bible codes had predicted a nuclear holocaust in 1986, but when that didn't happen, the date was modified slightly to 2006. Turns out all those codes were just deceptions, enriching the author and misleading the people. Such deceptions could lead you to be skeptical, to reject prophecy or miracles altogether. Maybe you think God can't tell us the future when a miracle turns out to not be so miraculous like with my friend or real outright fraud is discovered. You might say, geez, I guess miracles don't really happen either. This world is full of evil and manipulation and you can't even feel safe with people who call themselves Christians. For some of you, especially if you've experienced a deep loss in your life, you might be saying, I'm not so sure God is even there. Why should I believe? Why should I have faith when a thing that is obviously good doesn't happen for me? I didn't get that job. My bank account is running low. I can't put food on the table. My loved one is sick. And for some, you've had a death of a loved one. What? is God thinking? Is this religion thing just a joke? Is it just the opiate of the masses, like Karl Marx said? Uh, There's a joke about a couple who is about to get married, and when they are involved in a fatal accident, uh, they get to the pearly gates of heaven, and St. Peter is there to greet them. They explain their situation and ask if they are able to get married in heaven. St. Peter says he doesn't know and will have to go check. He leaves and a day passes and then another, then weeks and months. While they are waiting, they're wondering, well, what happens if it doesn't work out? Can you get divorced in heaven? Finally, St. Peter, he returns with an answer and he says, yes, you can get married in heaven. And then they ask, okay, but can we get divorced if it doesn't work out? And St. Peter, he slams his clipboard on the ground and so they ask, what's the matter? And Peter says, It took me three months to find a priest up here. Do you know how long it's going to take me to find a lawyer? (laughs) We might find ourselves pretty skeptical of miracles and after a loss, maybe even of religion itself. What are we to make of such claims? One thing that can at least point us in the right direction is a distinction between real religion and cults. Real religion teaches you to revere life, while a cult teaches you to fear death. But beyond this, should we accept claims of miracles? Can that stuff even really happen? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has just performed a miracle. He has taken some spittle and rubbed it on the eyes of a blind man. Now, let's not gloss over this bit here, though. Spit and dirt rubbed on your eyes is pretty gross. And it was thought of the same way back then, too. This is a gross task Jesus is performing. So it is remarkable that the blind man even allows Jesus to do this. He really does want a miracle to happen. So we could ask ourselves right here, am I willing to let God work in what may seem like repulsive ways in my life to see this greater thing happen? Anyways, after rubbing the spittle on the man, Jesus asks what the man can see. Something incredible happens. The blind man's eyes start to work again, but only in part. This is the only time in the entire Bible that a miracle of Jesus only works halfway. Miracles are almost uniformly 
instantaneous. Now, I don't think that means slow miracles are any less miraculous, but it's really hard to doubt a miracle when it happens right away. When someone prays for you and then suddenly they are healed, how can you not see the connection? But here Jesus lays his hands on the man a second time, and the man's sight is fully restored. He can finally see clearly, and it's all thanks to Jesus. Now, when we read this story, there seems to be a growing divide in how to understand such things. Some people hear it and accept the Bible 100% on face value. The Bible says it, so I believe it. End of discussion. But others are skeptical. Did that really happen? Did Jesus actually heal a man of his blindness? Could it just be a story that is told to make people believe? Or maybe even more skeptically, aren't those ancient people just gullible? Couldn't they just have been tricked so they didn't know anything about uh, science or medicine so they believed it? I would actually point out that the opposite is usually true. We can be so skeptical of ancient people, we act as if they didn't know anything at all. Uh, Did you hear about the recent discovery in trigonometry? Uh, There was this tablet with a list of math equations almost 3,000 years old. People assumed it was just a list of Pythagorean sums, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Uh, and, but nobody, they, they couldn't figure out why they had bothered to write these things down. Why was this so special? It turns out that they were doing tri- trigonometry using ratios, not angles and circles. It was completely accurate and in some ways superior to how we've been doing math since the Greeks a thousand years later. Sometimes those ancient people knew what they were doing. Sometimes they had things figured out better than we do today. Jesus was doing two things with his miracle. One was that he was helping this person who was desperate for it. And we need to do the same and to be ready to help others just as Jesus was. But he also taught a lesson in the way that the miracle happened. Remember how just before the blind man was healed, the disciples thought Jesus was mad that they didn't have any bread? It was the disciples' responsibility to have bread ready for any journey that they would take, so they are thinking Jesus is upset. But no, Jesus says, why are you still thinking about bread? I provided the bread for 4,000 people. You had so much uh, left over that it was just as much as what you started with. The real miracle is when your eyes are opened to what God is doing, when your hard heart is softened, when you can see and hear and remember all that God has done for you. That's the miracle. God will act on your behalf, not so that you get every whim and gift that you want. God is not Santa Claus. God is at work in you so that the kingdom of God might be made real in this world. One of my favorite writers is a former professor of mine, Craig Keener, who wrote two volumes devoted exclusively to miracles. It has a lot of philosophy in it, but my one-sentence summary of it would be, you can't reject miracles pure and simply because you haven't seen it happen yourself. Many philosophers argue something called the uniformity of the human experience, saying that what happens in my life 
is the same as what happens in yours. So if I don't experience miracles in my Western upper-class world, then you don't experience miracles in yours. He goes on to cite not just a few miracles or dozens of miracles, but hundreds upon hundreds of miracles, either of firsthand experience or of a direct witness to a miracle. I was in a class with him when he was first writing the book, and he asked us if we had experienced any miracles, and my classmate told an incredible story of a healing he saw happen to his own mother. These are miracles verified by eyewitnesses and doctors. It's not made up. It's the power of God truly at work in the world. When I teach about miracles with our confirmation classes, I like to share the story of Delia. She was someone I knew growing up as a special guest musician at our church. She was always inspirational, not just because she has an amazing voice, but also because her story of triumph over adversity was so moving. When she was just a young woman, she was a passenger in a car on Christmas Day, 1987. A drunk driver, though, crashed into the vehicle she was in, causing a devastating injury. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Sometimes a spinal injury can heal slightly after a few months, rarely at six months, and almost never beyond that. I saw Delia perform several years later, telling the story of her accident, yet still singing about the possibilities of God's grace, despite being in a wheelchair. It was a powerful witness, but God wasn't done yet. Delia had attended church services across the country, many claiming to be healing services. Over and over, her wheelchair would attract notice, and people would come to her praying for her healing. At first, it was fine, but over and over, she would be provoked beyond what was acceptable. She said there were times where people would force her out of her chair and drag her around the church, demanding that she walk by the healing power of Jesus. It got so bad that she stopped attending healing services. She didn't want to be around it anymore. She loved God. She believed the Lord could heal her, but she had given up hope for herself. Then in 2010, she was in Mississippi and found herself at one of those revival services she was avoiding. She says she felt the Lord telling her that it was time. Today, she would walk. So she went forward, the pastor prayed, and she stood up. She walked for the first time in 23 years. A few weeks later, the local news caught up with her when she went to see her mother for the first time since she started walking. It was absolutely heartwarming. Her mother was in tears saying how she had prayed for this every day for her daughter. When Delia was asked if it was a miracle, she said, All I know is that once I couldn't walk, and now I walk. The whole story of a blind man having spittle put on his face is not about that specific miracle. It's a reminder to all of us to be open to the possibilities God has for us. It could be a physical miracle of illness or blindness or paralysis, but it could also be the miracle of a closed heart opened before God. It could be healing a relationship that was broken when someone got hurt or a loved one died. Disease and death have a way of cutting us off 
from possibility. And God wants to remove the blindness from your eyes today. He wants you to believe again so you can see the power of God at work in your life today. Will you open your eyes to that possibility? Will you look for the miracle God wants to do in you in this time and place? Even the disciples didn't get it. They struggled with this mystery all through Jesus' ministry. It wasn't until they saw Jesus after the resurrection with new eyes that they saw the miracle. Jesus brings life, not death. There is hope and possibility and life found in Jesus Christ. Embrace it today so that you may experience healing through the Lord. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.